0: hello everyone and welcome to the show my name is sophie collins and i am a mother and entrepreneur and i am obsessed with feeling my best this show is going to cover everything from work to wellness to motherhood and what it looks like to encompass all of those things into your life i hope you enjoy It sure is a beautiful day today. I am saying that because it literally is outside. And also because today, Kat Sadler, who is the host of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day is on my podcast. I'm not going to lie. When I thought about who I would want to bring on to record with and have a conversation with, Kat was high on my list. Her podcast, It Sure Is a Beautiful Day is one of my favorite lessons. I have listened to almost every single episode and it's been so incredible to watch her journey through spirituality, business. As most of you probably know, she left E! News due to a pay disparity and became a really well-known figure for equal pay. So it's just been an incredible journey to follow her experiences, especially as a mom of two boys who are just about to fly the coop, and she's about to become an empty nester in some forms, which we get into on the podcast today. We are going to be talking about her spiritual journey, her facelift, what she's currently reading, some of her favorite books, her life and experiments living with a lot less alcohol her move to Malibu, what she's going to miss the most about LA. And then we get into some of her favorite products and things that she's obsessed with. I am sharing this conversation with such an open heart and so much gratitude for Kat for taking the time to be on the show today. And I really, really hope you love this episode. Just a quick note on this episode, shortly after we recorded, Kat changed her podcast name to Kat Sadler Now, so make sure you're searching Kat Sadler Now to check out Kat's podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I am not going to lie, I'm a little bit nervous, Kat, because you have recorded and interviewed thousands of people and interviews and to be on the other side of speaking with you and seeing you today. It's just such an honor and a blessing to spend this time with you today.
1: That is so, so sweet of you. Do not be nervous. I am just (laughs) glad to um, exchange with your, your sweet light and your energy because we've connected over social media so many times. So it's nice to be in conversation. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm I'm so honored for you to be here and there's so many things that I feel like we've connected on. I like many people have been a fan of yours for a long time, but I think I really connected with you when you started your first podcast Naked. Mm. And for those who don't remember, you had guests to your bedroom usually and they took off one piece of clothing to get a little bit more vulnerable. So that's something that's always stuck with me as a way to connect with people in terms of just shedding that layer and becoming more vulnerable with your guests.
1: Yeah. Um, That, that continues to be a theme, I think, for a lot of people. And I love seeing that just people shedding their armor and coming as they are and being their most transparent self. And you hear this word authenticity all the time, but it really is true. It's such a nice feeling when you can lay all that down. So I think when one person does it, you give others permission to do the same thing. And so I feel like we're seeing more and more of that. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't even know how to be any other way right now. So <laughs> it's like sometimes I'm just vomiting too much of my truest self. But people are like, wow, okay, Kat. <laughs> Um, But I just don't know any other way. And I think we all benefit.
0: I totally agree. I in preparing for this conversation. I went back and listened to any podcast episodes that I had missed of yours. And There weren't a lot. I'm a I'm a listener, an avid listener of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. And I know a lot of people that will be listening to this are as well. I was listening to your Father's Day tribute. And it was such a raw time for you to record that episode, not only speaking your truth about your dad, but having just recovered from major surgery. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on for you.
1: Oh my gosh. That episode feels like a lifetime ago. And I know it was just last month or something. I said to my partner Greg yesterday in a 24 hour cycle, yesterday felt like a week. I don't know. We've got so much going on, and my life is so full right now. And yes, it's been an interesting summer. Firstly, I elected for a major cosmetic surgery, I had a facelift, y'all. And, probably and you older. look amazing.
0: Oh, you look well, thank amazing. You. Thank you really you. do I
1: feel great. I am so happy with the results. But it was a facelift, a neck lift, and an, a blepharoplasty, which is an eye job, essentially. But that's a major... Physical undertaking. It's an emotional undertaking. The recovery took me like a month. And then that kind of bumped into the anniversary of my dad's death. And so I was just, you know, I was coming to the mic on my own podcast, kind of just sharing those, all those feelings kind of were crashing in at the time. And, you know, again, my audience and my listeners tend to always find something to relate to, I guess. So sometimes it's hard for me to share my personal self to that degree because I I am a journalist by trade and I am used to asking the questions, but more and more people just tend to appreciate that. So I am leaning into that more and more. And then after that Father's Day episode that you mentioned, I've been moving my entire home after 12 years in the same place. Both of my sons are moving on to their next journeys. I've got one off to college. I got one moving in this new apartment. And then literally days before speaking with you at this moment, I moved to Malibu um, with my boyfriend and he has kids and we've got dogs. And so like, I I was literally like, do I have a light and a plug? I was just, just to, to be here with you today. I'm so glad, honestly, thank you, because it's actually easier for me to to be here with you than to conduct an interview. So I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to be hanging out with Sophie and I don't have to overthink it. So, so Definitely it's not. good, but, but I, am, I am in a moment that feels big. This feels like a marker in my life. It feels like the end of a chapter. It feels like the beginning of a chapter. And so I'm in this moment of transition and I'm trying to, as always, just be there you know, even though there's so much undone and I do feel a little frazzled and I'm slightly unsettled, but I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. So
0: here Mm I am. Mm -hmm. What do you do in those moments where life just feels too big and too overwhelming and there's a million things going on. You probably have your sons checking in on you, asking you how to do things now that you're not doing them for them. So what do you do when it all just gets to be too much? Mm.
1: In the past, I would have done my hot yoga and my breathing. I'm still doing the breathing, but I'm a little far from my old yoga
0: studio now. So I was going to say, where are you uh, going to practice? Although I'm sure there's lots in Malibu. <laughs> yes, I have some exploring to do. I have some exploring to do. We live
1: kind of in the canyon, so there are a lot of hills here. So I've just been already in August. My, my mission has been I want to walk out the door every morning. And here we are mm-hmm. just a couple of days of this. I'm going to do this hill every day till I figure out my new fitness regime. I just want to be out in nature and breathe. And all those things really center me so much. This morning wasn't that successful. I took my dog Scarlett. I grabbed her to go down the hill and she's, she's nervous. So she was kind of fighting me. So I didn't even get that fully completed. But to your point, I could have been like really annoyed and I got a big schedule today. And I, but I just, you know, I just try to like, instead of reacting so much, which I used to do a little more impulsively or a little more emotionally, I'm really trying to just observe whatever comes, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds kind of corny and it's, you know, it sounds easier than it is to do, but I do find if I practice that I, I don't get a stress, you know?
0: No, I totally oh, agree. Oh, this is
1: happening. Yeah. This this variable came my way. That wasn't expected. There's a little noise. Like speaking with you right now is just setting up my my computer. And you know, gardeners are here on Thursday. I didn't know that was what goes on on a Thursday. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we got weed whackers. We've got you know. So it just it's it's life. And life, yeah. is You know, I even as messy and as crazy as it can be, sometimes I do just still love it. That's my mindset. Most days.
0: It is an amazing mindset to have. And I think that's why a lot of people tune in to your voice every week. And obviously you bring incredible guests on, but I think really people are coming to hear you and the journey that you're going through. And I know that you started sharing a lot more about your personal life and and the journeys that you've gone on and the work that you've done. I think for a lot of people during the pandemic, it was a time to kind of turn inwards and do the work and do the reading. And I know you tried TM meditation and you were doing all the things. What, obviously things have changed completely since then, but what have you found to be those grounding rituals that you're able to stick with day to day? Are you still doing TM meditation? I know it's not hot yoga right now, but what are, what are those rituals that you're still loving today?
1: That's a great question. And by the way, thanks for listening so much. Wow. I think you might listen more than my own mom. That's so (laughs) kind. Um, I did try TM, and I tell you what, I really did enjoy that. But truth be told, I think I stuck to that meditation maybe three weeks max. It's twice a day, it's 20 minutes a day, and I didn't keep up. But I did love it, and I do think of it often. So I am really loving the Superhuman app. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, I I, love it. I try to listen to that every day. And sometimes it's just music in the background. As I literally have been plugging that in when I've been unpacking boxes. Sometimes just the music itself is, you know, inviting in good energy. It's like very joyous and manifestation vibes. And you know, it puts me on a frequency that feels good. Um, so, even if that's backdrop, I'll turn on the superhuman app. But I love that app because they have the themes, you know, for whether yes. you're getting ready or <laughs> whether you're going on a walk or whether you are trying to wind down at the end of the day. So, and they're not 30 minutes long, right? Like, who really has that kind of time? So, yeah. I do stick to that app most days. I just unpacked my gratitude journal, and that sounds so simple, but I notice a clear difference when I am not. Writing in my gratitude journal, and for me, that means I f- usually fill a whole page, and it's just with top of mind words that come to me and come out of me, and I just it that centers me every time, so mm-hmm. you know, I was just giving that advice. Who was I giving that advice to? I think maybe my oldest son, who I just moved into his first apartment, I was just like, you know, if you can write down five things every day, just it it reminds you of all that you have, not all that you're missing in your life and so yeah. That's so easy and that's available to everybody and it's free. So that's great. I still have been listening over and over to the book by Joe Dispenza, mm. Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, I believe is the title. And it's pretty heady and sciencey, and it's about, you know, our neuropathways and kind of rewiring them and what we focus on and what we think about and the power of the brain and how that actually has um, atomic effects. And it's not mm. just woo-woo, oh, you're thinking positively, therefore you're going to have a great life. But there is proven research that says that if we can think this way and we what we can attract, it's just mind-blowing. And when I come back to that audiobook, I push that play on that, whether I'm walking or I'm or again cleaning or unpacking or organizing my
0: new closet um, <laughs> which is what you're doing most of the time these days. I <laughs> know,
1: yeah, I know it sounds so boring. It sounds so boring, but that's I've kind of buried in that right now. But I I'm such a believer in in all of that. And I I tell everyone that I speak to on social or DMs I get from people I'm like I wish I would have had this blueprint my whole life because it's mm. really powerful. It's really powerful. I believe that I don't think it's an accident that people who have a lot of turmoil or a lot of illness or a lot of accidents or a lot of you know distress in their life it's it's hard when you're feeling that way and it sucks and it's a downer for sure nobody wants to suffer but if you get stuck there you attract more and more and more of that same thing so mm-hmm. it's really critical to flip the switch and and try to, again, change your mindset because then you want to feel the feeling of feeling good, you attract more of the feeling of feeling good. And at the end of the day, I think that's what everybody just wants to feel.
0: Feel good every day when you can. It's so true. And I think that your tip for your son on, on the gratitude piece is so so smart. And I think for me, when I think about gratitude, it just reminds me of the simple things that I am grateful for and what really matters in life. And it almost always, when I'm writing it down, comes back to health and family. And that's yeah. basically it. And if you have that, those two things, and I include like friends and family, but you have those two things, that's really all you need and everything else is just a cherry on top. Like it's almost just like we're playing like a Monopoly board game and we can go here, we can go there, we can go there. But as long as you have that foundation, that basis of family and health and your passion, that's really all that matters.
1: Mm, that's such a good way to put it. It is. It's so true. It's, it's so simple. And that health piece is, you know, that can be hard for people too. And I'm so guilty of that because it's hard to stay consistent. It's hard to be super disciplined sometimes, but if you can be, I mean, that health piece is everything. If we're making choices, most days, you know, stepping into our power. And I was speaking with, Greg's trainer yesterday who was over here and they were working out. And this guy is 55, but he looks like 35 and he is vegan. And I, you know, I just find people so interesting. I was interviewing the heck out of him and yeah. I was like, why are you vegan and why have you lived this way? And what made you choose this way of life? Like, you know, I'm just so interested why people choose what they choose. And I told him that. And he he was like, you know, I tell all my clients, you know, you've got this bounty of like Healthy whole fruit in one hand, or you have this cake with the icing in the other hand, and like I just know which one makes me feel better. I just know like that's a short term feel good mm-hmm. high versus a how I'm going to feel later tonight and the energy I'm going to have in my kids. And so, those choices we all have, and yeah. I think just being intentional about those choices. And again, I'm not trying to sit up here on any kind of soapbox like I've got it all figured out because I don't, I am a student forever. But I am learning the value of, again, that intentionality, um, mm-hmm. I think, really makes a difference.
0: I think one of the changes you made this year, too, was cutting back on alcohol. How is that going for you? Are you still, what are we calling it, on the wagon? <laughs>
1: yeah, what are we calling it? Yeah, it's interesting because I've, I've actually been a guest on a couple podcasts and, and a few people said, oh, you're sober now. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I never said I was sober. I'm, and, and maybe I will be one day. Um, but I am still, again, back to intentionality, I'm really considering it when I do consume it. You know, yeah. I, I haven't purchased it for the house in months. I don't have my bar like I used to have, but I have had, you know, a handful of glasses of wine when I'm out to dinner. Last night, I went out to dinner I had one glass of wine. For me in the past, that could have been three, you know, and it may have even been champagne before and maybe it would have been, let's try the fancy cocktail off the menu also, you know? So I have turned the volume drastically down, but I still drink on occasion. And you know, it's interesting because I do hear that little voice in the back of my head that's like, this isn't good for you. This is still even Even if you're doing it a little bit, it's not good for you. And if I'm being honest with myself, it's probably the stress. I mean, moving is stressful. So I I know that in my habitual way, I'm like, oh, I deserve this glass of wine tonight. I've been moving. I've been in boxes. I don't know where my underwear is. You know, So there's probably that old wiring that tells me, well, I deserve this. And maybe one day I'll get to the point where that isn't the case. But in the last couple of weeks, I've probably had a little more alcohol than I did in July or June or even May.
0: Something I've been thinking a lot about lately too, though, is the thought of joy as a missing component for this health and wellness obsession that people have. And I think that everyone, you know, wants to get up early, work out, meditate, eat well, eat lots of plants, drink a lot of water. And I think that you can go down that path and obviously feel really, really good. But then at some point, and I know this happened for me in the last couple of years, you kind of forget this like joy and like joie de vivre of like living life and enjoying a glass of wine and like having that be okay while you're having a nice bowl of pasta or when you're traveling or when you're out for dinner. So I do think it is important that we remember that that is a key component of life. And while I think that, you know, in the blue zones, you know, people do drink and in the Mediterranean culture, people do drink, but it's less about the alcohol and more about the way in which they're consuming it with it, which is with their community around a long table at dinner and really just savoring it. And I think that In the North American culture, we kind of miss those pieces and everything is so cut and dry here. And you hear new things every day and it's like this information overload. And so this summer, particularly, I've been trying to like really think, like, what do I want? Less about like, what should I be doing? And like, what do I want to be doing? And sometimes, Mm. like, it's enjoy a glass of wine and that's okay.
1: Yes, I love that. But see how much thought you put into that. Like, right. Yeah. You, you are making an informed decision for you personally. And that yeah. is awesome. And it is funny you say that because I was thinking because I now do consider my choices. And I was like, also give yourself some compassion. Like yes, to so point, was don't be, say that. don't be so rigid. Don't be so hard on yourself. I had a guest on my my show and she was like, you know, we can get into this shaming of oneself that we, usually we're the hardest on our ourselves, right? So yeah that did come to me. It's like, girl, you're doing it. I was like, you, yeah. you got three kids launching or you got a kid going to college. I was like, I can have a glass of wine and not have to put so much pressure on that single consumption and go, yeah. you're good. You know what you're doing you've got this. And and I I was having a little bit of that self-talk, which is
0: comforting. Yeah. You've gotten yourself this far. <laughs> I think you'll be no, fine. I
1: know. I know. I
0: know. I, <laughs> I know for me, like having young kids, I, I have a two and five-year-old and you cannot overconsume alcohol at this stage of life. Like, if you do, being hungover with a young child is, for me, it's just a no. Like, I just, nothing is worse. It's worse. Was, yeah, nothing is worse or worse that. Like I, and I, I, I'm sure it changes. Hopefully it gets easier, right?
1: (laughs) Yes. When they start to sleep in or they can like get themselves a little cereal, it's possible, but it's still not much fun.
0: (laughs) No, still not much fun. And I remember you were talking on your show about how the kids were like having their friends over and they were potentially having a drink. And I was like, I can't, I just can't (sighs) picture that happening in my lifetime. Like, it's so wild seeing you with your two boys, you know, in a different phase of life. and you know, just seeing like how fast it can all happen?
1: Oh, it's a blink of an eye. It really, really is. And it's not lost on me as we're experiencing these new seasons of life. My youngest is 18 and my oldest is 22. and, And I'm like, there's something so special about it because I also know this chapter is going to be over within a blink. You know, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have partners. They they're, they're going to have kids. Like that could all happen within the next decade. So it's just so kind of out of body, but at the same time another reason of like for being present. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's it's it makes me giggle because, you know, yeah, we we talk about alcohol or you know, smoking a cigar with my oldest to, to like, you know, talk about the reflect on our last home and the significance and symbolism of that, so it is wild. i just I can't believe it either i I'm just it but it's special, you know, it's yeah
0: what does it feel like to be an empty nester, and I know you're not kind of really now that you're in Malibu with Greg's family, but what does it feel like to have your own boys mm-hmm. leave the nest <laughs> Well, Orion is here
1: with us. He got okay. settled here. So this will be his home base before he goes to college. And that was really important to me. I didn't want to like sell our house, you know, be in boxes. He leaves to go across country to college and not have his roots established somewhere, yeah. right? So he's here, but we're literally counting down the days. It's 10 days till we're both on a plane and getting him off to college. And so I am savoring every last minute. I'm like, Doing laundry, his laundry, with a smile on my face. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm folding every shirt, you know. And I'm like just trying to hold him so close. I think that's gonna be the really tough one for me when my because yeah. I, because I was telling my mom even just yesterday, I said I just went you know an hour away to college. I was like, I'm putting myself on an airplane. He's gonna be you know gone, and we are so close. I, I will say, like I think through the pandemic, it was like. Such a blessing in many ways, in that we were mm-hmm. home together in their high school years when they were, you know, we were just spent more time together, experienced that together, and so we've just gotten so close that it will feel like a loss. I'm preparing myself for a little bit of a grie- grieving chapter, but I mean, I guess we'll talk later because yeah. I hope I, you know, I'm going to have to survive it. It's coming, so. Yeah.
0: I just like, it honestly made me just tear up thinking like 10 days left with your baby in your house. Like that is, yeah. it's, I, yeah, I can't, I mean, I leave for two nights and I'm <laughs> just sad. <laughs> right. It's right. like a piece of your, your body is leaving, you know?
1: Like literally and actually, literally. you know, yeah. I mean, some, someone was explaining to me about motherhood if you are able to birth your children there is something on a cellular level from carrying them for nine months where you know not only do they get your dna but apparently maybe you know this but apparently we as mothers also through the umbilical cord receive part of their dna like it's almost like a two-way highway and I was like, that makes so much sense on that connection and how we are forever tied to one another. It's not just this um, imaginatory thing yeah. where we're like, oh, we love our babies. Like it's like we are connected. And so, yeah, I think with anything, um, if it's not physically close, it, it feels it feels uncomfortable, probably. Yeah. But I was starting to say, like technology. Thank God for Facetime yes. and everything. Like that's like something again that we didn't used to have, and so he better answer his calls. That's all I'm saying. You better. I will not pay for that phone unless you answer the FaceTime. Okay.
0: Isn't it so crazy that like, that's what you're saying now. Like it must just feel so surreal to be the person saying that when you've thought about that your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't even imagine, but it's, it's actually been really special watching it unfold through you because I feel like it's just watching my life like 18 years from now with the kids growing up and and I often think about that when I read your posts and I like think about my own kids and I'm like how how is this going to happen? What would you say to, you know, a mom of of young kids, 5 and 2 and even under 10 about what you would do differently or or what you would recommend they do? I don't
1: know. Well, I admire you. I, I mean, listen, with every stage and every phase, there are pros and cons, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember the feelings that I'm sure you and other parents with younger children feel. It's like so demanding. Your time, like you, you, it's hard to find time for yourself. You It is a full-time job on top of your job, on top of being a founder, on top of running a yeah. company. And it is, I reflect on those times and I'm just like, how did I do that? How did I do that? How did I show up? How did I sleep? I, 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 it's such a blur. But you miss so much of the essence of the years of when your babies are babies, because you will mm-hmm. never get that back again. So that importance and value of being present, as it, difficult as it is, is critical, I think. So you don't regret time spent or you don't regret, you know, being a neat freak and making sure every corner of your house is perfect. Like be there as much Mm. as you can, because it will be over. And I was working at E at the time and I was on TV and I was gone sometimes 10 hours a day. And I remember I, I used to always get the question, like, you know, mostly women are getting the question about the work life balance and being mothers and all this And I do remember even then really focusing on being present. So if I was at work, I was really at work. And if I was with the kids, I really tried to be with the kids and I really tried to put the phone down. And I really, that was important to me. So I think that's key um, for your kids too, to, you know, when you're there, you're actually there. I even got a tattoo on my wrist that was like, be in the now, be in the moment, um so that did help me a lot. I mean as far as advice the, the one thing I definitely struggled with when my kids were younger that if I were to go back and try to do anything a little differently I do say that when I got them their devices I lost them a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I really How old were they? They got cell phones when they were 10. And at okay. first it was just so I could like reach them after school because I was on set and I, you know, to know yeah. who, they were out of school and they got picked up okay. And it, it gave me this sense of security. And then of course, then the, eventually they got their data and eventually they were, you know, doing a lot on their phones. But I spent a lot of their, you know, preteens and teens begging for them to put their phones away. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So... I don't know how to do that and I, I I there's I don't know what the perfect formula is for parents but but I do think back on that and go things changed when they got devices. Interesting. It definitely shifted in our home and I wish I could have done something more to circumvent that
0: perhaps. Interrupting this episode to tell you about my weekly newsletter what I'm loving lately that comes out every Friday. I talk about what I'm reading, cooking, watching, listening to, and loving. And if you want to subscribe, you can go to my website, www.sophiecollins.com and scroll to the bottom to subscribe. Did you try to have like ground rules, like dinner table, phones away? Even now, like, do you put the phones away at dinner?
1: Sometimes, not like we used to. (laughs) Now that they're like men, it feels a little weird to be like, put your phones away. I try (laughs) though. I I still do. I still do. I'm like, I want you here. You know, it's a different request now. And they're pretty good at it. But yes, I did do all that when they were younger. Like, we're going to do dinner without phones or we're going to keep them all in the kitchen. But it requires so much energy to constantly police. Know. You know what I mean? It's like, how much of our time as parents are we just policing devices? It's annoying.
0: <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I, even with my five-year-old, he was like on a device pretty early, like two or three. It was like one tablet. You had a little a little bit of time a day. And he didn't really change a lot. Like He would kind of do his tablet, put it away for the most part. And then my two-year-old now, who's super active, like he is running around like just a crazy person. Like he's always running around and he's hilarious. And if I put an iPad in front of him, he, it's like he melts, like his brain is literally melting. And the dichotomy I see in him from not being on like a screen to being on a screen, we almost have cut it immediately because we're like, this is way, we're seeing way too much whereas with my older son we just like didn't see as much of a difference so it seemed to be like a bit more contained so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out especially with them you know growing up when it's like it'll be like iPhone 25 you know in no time by the time they're 10 I I got a cell phone when I was 11 as well so similar and yeah it's so true and I I pray that we can have dinners without phones but you know, even last night I was, my husband was late and I was like, Hey, we're going to watch a movie during dinner. It's just easier. Like you're not going to eat if I don't put something in front of you. And I think you just have to pick your battles.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's so hard. Oh my gosh. And at that age, and then you don't have an extra pair of hands and you're just trying to, again, you're trying to keep them alive when they're at that age sometimes, yeah. right? It's like the <laughs> truly. Basic thing. you're just trying to keep them clean, keep them fed, make sure they sleep. It's just like, a very different thing you have to do. And yeah, it comes back to not being too hard on yourself either. You have to let that one go. Tomorrow's a new day. Always like, thank God the sun will come up and you can do it all over again and not be too hard on yourselves for sure. Yeah. I was was packing up Austin's things with him, um, who is moving and just moved into his first place. And we found the Because I used to get so many things from all the movie studios, you know, when I was covering entertainment every day. And we, you know, have all the Disney stuff and all the, you know, um, things. And we we came across, because Austin is so interested in film, of the WALL-E movie. Do you remember this movie? Yeah.
0: The WALL-E movie
1: script. It was like not the book of WALL-E, but it was like the actual physical script of WALL-E before it was made. And it was just very interesting because we watched that movie when he was a baby, you know, kid and toddler. I'm not sure what year that came out. But I remember we were saying like, gosh, that was such an impactful movie about the future and technology and what's going to happen to the planet. And he's super deep. And we ran across that. And I was like, our kind of joke is like, have we become Wally? Is our world Wally? Like everyone's like pushing buttons and we're being rolled around and people are overweight and there's an obesity crisis Mm. and like everything's processed and like the planet's dying and not to be like morbid, but we were like, wow, like a blink of an eye. And, and it's just something to reflect on because that was like kind of something we were thinking about wild.
0: Yeah. And then coming back around, we just finished the show Silo on Apple TV. And it's essentially about like a futuristic society in which you live underground, which is pretty much my worst nightmare to not be able to go outside every day. (laughs) And anyways, I won't give anything away, but same sort of thing. You look at this and you're like, I could see how this could happen. And you're just watching a potential future that you really don't want for yourself, nor do you want for your children or their children. But yeah, it's it's really really wild when you look back and see things that have transpired and what what. Do it you looks recommend like this
1: show? I I've been yeah. wondering if I should watch that one. Okay, I'll it's I'll really watch good. It. And the crazy it's thing really is, it's happening at a faster pace now. So yeah. what took. 10, 15 years then, now it's like everything's changing even more quickly. And like a year from now, we'll be going, is this real life? Are we walking around with, you know, the goggles and VR?
0: Yeah, I know. It's like, so true. Crazy? Well, that must be nice about living in Malibu. I feel I feel like it's kind of a a little bit of a stoppage in time. It's super rustic still. Obviously, there's great restaurants, but it does feel like super protected in terms of There's not a lot of development, which I know is frustrating when people are trying to build a home, but it's just so, it's still so rugged. Like there's still so much of the earth still there, you know?
1: Yes. That's such a good way to put it. It does feel like a sanctuary a bit. And trust me, I'm so grateful because I know that we're in this little bubble of Mm -hmm. the world, but But I but Maybe
0: that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm
1: like, I don't feel so bad about it. Trust me. I'm like, yeah. oh, uh, it feels so, so nice. And gosh, it, it is. It's just good for the soul. There's another way to put it. I mean, there really is. And I will I will never get tired of the views here and the ocean and just mm. the air. And um, it's really nice.
0: It is. What do you think you'll miss most about LA? Not that you can't go there every day if you don't want to, but...
1: Right. I won't miss the traffic. I won't miss the commute that I've done for the last two years coming here. I do love the energy of big cities. Mm. I grew up in Indiana and split my, my early years and my teen years between the city of Indianapolis and then a very, very small town called Martinsville. And I always had an itch or a craving or desire to see the world like on a massive scale. And, and again, back then you really only saw that in movies or on television Mm -hmm. because we didn't have phones. You weren't just scrolling and seeing everybody's life. It it did feel so foreign to go anywhere other than where you were with the cornfield in your backyard. And so then when I was old enough to get my first job in San Francisco and have like, just to be inserted into culture and museums and diversity. And there was this thrill of the world opening up to me. And I was like, oh, this is life. It's not my one little zip code with my all my cousins and my aunts and uncles, which (laughs) by the way is great, but it's like so vast. And I came alive just experiencing that through my first job, my first TV job in San Francisco. So then I just kind of always knew I wanted to land somewhere like in LA or New York. New York had a very similar feeling in the twenties when I first landed in New York, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Oh my gosh. Life just life felt worth living. I was like something turned on in me where I was like, oh, the possibilities are endless. You know, I just started dreaming really big. I was so turned on by all of that. So by the time my then husband and I had Austin and Ryan when they were babies, that's when I really got the itch to move to LA permanently. And part of that was, yes, for my job, but also I was like, I want these kids exposed. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have them you know, cut off from things. And by the way, that's fine. We need all the zip codes in all the places in the world because otherwise we'd all be the same. So I yeah. totally respect other people's desire to live in a small town, but that wasn't what I wanted. And I just wanted to expose my kids to more and when we moved here, I loved that their little elementary school had, you know, kids from all walks of life, from all different ethnicities, places. And we, you know, my last home bordered Koreatown. So I just, I never got bored. You know, we would go karaoke in K-Town and go to like these Korean spas or, you know, two minutes later, I could be in Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive. Who doesn't want to do that? And then, you know, there was just so much To experience in LA. So I will miss that energy, even though, you know, I think maybe it's just that I'm getting older. I I was getting a little tired of the the fast lane. So this Mm -hmm. feels a little more my speed right now, Malibu. But I just do know I can go dip back in. So that's totally. fine. And now I have, get to go visit my son. So I, I'm like, I expect to visit at least once a week. So I'll be going to see him. So I'll be back in the city
0: yeah, a lot. For and sure. for
1: work. I mean, I, I'm going to need to organize yeah. my my new life to like make certain days that I'm there and certain days that I'm here. So that's nice.
0: For sure. I kind of went the other direction. I grew up in Toronto, which is obviously a big city. And moved out to Vancouver. Vancouver is much more of a small town vibe, even though it is still one of Canada's major cities. It is Canada. And I am now at this point with the kids, with everything going on in the world where I'm like, I could live in the mountains. Like I could just kind of, maybe like I don't want them on the subway. (laughs) Like I actually think we could recluse a little bit, but my husband's not on the same page. So I think it'll take me a while to get to Malibu. But it's, um, it's funny how your upbringing can kind of flip you in the opposite direction.
1: Yes. Yes. That is so, so true. Vancouver is lovely. I, I was going there once a summer for the last several summers to some of the islands there. It's just oh. so, so gorgeous. There's <gasps>
0: so much to explore. Like British Columbia, you couldn't have, I, I really, I've traveled, like I've been lucky to travel quite a bit and, Whenever I come home, I'm like, there really is no better place than this. It is the most beautiful place on earth, aside from the fact that it rains six to nine months a year. That is the,
1: the biggest oh, downfall. Boy. I didn't <laughs> realize that. Yeah. yeah. It's like Seattle.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. It
1: is. It is stunning. It's really, really stunning. I went to a place called Channel Rock. Have you heard
0: of Channel? Mm, I haven't heard of it, but honestly, there's so many little spots on the mm-hmm. island, even up the coast that are just like so many places to explore, especially if you have a boat. It's a great place if you have a boat and you can just whip across. We don't. So (laughs) we're not doing that, but you can take the ferries too. (laughs) But isn't that what's so
1: cool about the world feeling smaller now is that people Mm -hmm. do jump on planes and you can just see so much more. I was explaining to my kids, I was like, I did not stamp my passport till I was 28. And that's and wow. they're like, What? You know, I had them in Paris at five or whatever. Yeah. Not that that's easy for everybody to do, but but you can see the world now. I mean you can and I feel like more and more people can get a taste of, you know, say Vancouver and, and the, the yeah. you know, so 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 much to see. And you can not that you have to live there or retire there or change your whole life, but you could just traveling. Oh, love it. Love no, it, love it,
0: love it's it. so true. even like reading kids that my kids' books and we we had one book that had the Northern lights in it, and my son Liam now is like obsessed with the northern lights. He's like, can we go see them one day? And I'm like, yeah, we can. We'll figure that out. We'll see them.
1: Mm,
0: love that. okay, so switching gears just a little. Um, I know we only have like ten minutes left and want to kind of get through some more fun rapid fire questions. So okay. does that sound good. Yes, I love that okay some of them may be in flux, just given where you're at with your busyness and moving and everything like that. But let's get started. So what are you currently reading?
1: Um, What am I currently reading? I pulled out Kima Chodron's mm. Comfortable with Uncertainty again. It's one I come back to again and again. And because of my transition, because of all of the unknowns in my life, even though it's known, but, you know, the flavors haven't been determined. The, the, the new essence of my new life, is, it's going to take a while to get into a rhythm. So impermanence is something I'm thinking about a lot and how important it is to, to be okay with not knowing every outcome. So it's mm-hmm. a wonderful book. I highly recommend everyone read it. Comfortable with Uncertainty.
0: My meditation teacher is, she's, Pema Chodron is her guru. And every time she teaches a meditation, her picture is like up on the mantle. It's very beautiful. What would you say has been the most impactful part of your spiritual journey?
1: Ooh, I like that question. Mm. Well, it would have to be my understanding of, Toxic relationships, Mm. learning the patterns that I used to participate in, understanding more about my childhood and the way love was modeled for me and sometimes not modeled for me. And so that, without question, has been the biggest spiritual growth of my life. And that has happened within the last three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being able to identify that and reflect on, you know, my past partners and some of the, frankly, like emotionally abusive situations I would put myself in and my self-worth and, and how all of that was intertwined, understanding it and then being able to move past it for sure the most impactful.
0: And how did you do that? Was that through therapy, your yoga practice? Was there a specific like modality that really helped you identify and move through those things?
1: All of the above, Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I finally, you know, I told I tell people like the pain was so great. It was required to make the change. Mm-hmm. You know, I finally had a therapist that I didn't lie to. Mm. And he, to his credit, he was wonderful. And I was in truly a a bit of a crisis. And he came for a recommendation of a good friend of mine at the right time and the right place. And again, in the middle of the pandemic, when I couldn't just socialize my way out of my pain and go to the Mm. bars or go out on a bunch of dates or just numb myself through what was going on through a really bad breakup. And so because of Dr. Rick, really good therapy. And by the way, guys, don't lie to your therapist. Like you can go to therapy, but I know a lot of girls like you and me, like, you know, we're like experts and we're doers. And then, and then you're even putting on that mask, that armor, that naked that we talked about, even to your own therapist. It's like, why are you even paying the money if you're not going to be truthful? Yeah. So I was, I suppose, ready through the therapy, through for sure the hot yoga practice, consistently and also my my yoga guru at the time you know he was i always like to say part part therapist part yoga instructor so even that became like a form of of therapy and then I was deep into the books. I really, really was. I mean, every if you look at my Audible library, it's like, oh my gosh, girl, I got you know every all the spiritual books, all the Buddhist books. Right, we need a the... screenshot.
0: We need a screenshot of your. Oh audible my library. gosh! <laughs> Just put that up.
1: <laughs> I'll send you one. Start it's here. A, oh, it's it's so many, and you know, and some of them were even you know survival books about again back to the relationship. Struggles and,
0: yeah. you know,
1: how to survive a psychopath. I don't know what I, I'll have to look at it, but I was like, oh my gosh, what what have I been doing? And living with a narcissist, you know, all these things. So there was a lot of PTSD's, and, and I was healing from. So all mm. of that combined, my gratitude journal for sure. I mean, sometimes it just takes, you know, really layering all those things around you and protecting you. And that's really what I was doing at the time. I also had some wonderful advice from, do you know who Dr. Jennifer Freed is? No. She's like part psychologist, part I don't think she would say she's an astrologist, but she really does take into consideration. Mm. she's a licensed therapist or a doctor, probably. I'm butchering this. She was on the goop podcast a lot. Mm, okay, but i I did meet with her and and she gave me some great advice. And she said that our spiritual guides are more apt to listen and take us seriously if we write down, almost like writing down your prayers. So not so much a journal, but like really writing and inviting daily what it is you want to summon into your life. And I was doing that too. I mean, it sounds like a lot. I mean, it sounds like a full-time job to do all those things. and, And it kind of is, which is why I probably don't do that now, but at the pandemic, I was actually able to. So all of that contributed to my healing and ultimately just feeling pain. It goes back to, I think many of us who drink or smoke or whatever, or I don't know, there are many addictions, you know, sex, mm-hmm. food, all the things. And, and so many of Technology. us- are, Technology, all of these addictions are numbing us to the point that, you know, we're just trying to survive. So it, it, in the short term, it feels like a great idea. But if you can just feel your feelings and sit with them, however uncomfortable they are, and the more you let that pass through you, That did it for me. I mean, again, I don't know. I am not like, I am not a trained expert in the chakras or spirits or any of that. But I feel literally like physically something moved through me. And I I was able to let go of a lot of the old junk I was holding on to when I was younger. And so it does work. I keep telling everybody, oh, there is something to this. You know, when you hear words like therapy or when you hear words like journaling there is the work works.
0: Yeah. There's a reason that people keep talking about it. It's not just fluff. Yeah, You know, I I credit therapy to so much of what I've gone through in the last five years and being able to get through it and metabolize it. And I think to your point of feeling the fear or feeling the hurt or feeling the anger, once you allow your body and your mind to do that and you get through it, you then realize that you can do that again and you can do hard things and you will survive them. And I think that's such an important unlock for people to understand. If you suppress and avoid and don't allow yourself to get to those places, then when inevitably in life something comes up again, because it will and probably soon, you're going to be even more scared or more fearful of that situation because you haven't allowed yourself to go through it in the first place.
1: Yes. Yes. That is so, so right. And it will often just continue to appear. It will continue yeah. to be put in front of you until like you, you hear everyone say, until you learn a lesson, it will
0: be brought to you again and again yeah. and
1: again and again. So once you can at least just master that, you can move on to the next lesson. Cause I think they're yes. gonna be probably a lifetime of lessons.
0: I know. It's like you go through one thing and you're like, okay, we're coasting for a bit. And you're like, oh, we're due for something soon.
1: <laughs> yes. So true
0: what sort of supplements are you taking these days?
1: Oh, that's another funny question because that was a hard part of leaving my kitchen at my last house because I was like, oh my gosh, I had a huge cabinet full of like four shelves deep of supplements. And I'm like, no one should have this many supplements. Surely (laughs) like "This this is ridiculous. Mind you, you know, my podcast is kind of morphed into being a lot about wellness. And so I do try so, so, so much. And I've worked with so many different companies and brands just because of my curiosity to yeah. see what works. But right now, I'm still really into the power of functional mushrooms. So mm. I take lion's mane most days, and that's a tincture. So it's a liquid that Mm. I will either put right under my tongue or I put it in my water. And lion's mane is supposed to help with cognitive function and clarity and kind of get rid of that brain fog that so many of us suffer from. I really love that. Um, Reishi is another mushroom that is an adaptogen that is meant to just relax us, help us manage stress a little bit better. So now that I am not drinking as much red wine, I love a little reishi and my tea or in my water, I'm trying to incorporate more collagen again, you know, with aging and my muscle mass and some of my joints, you know, not being where they used to be. I think collagen across the board, no one is ever going to say collagen is bad for us. So yeah.
0: I'm back to my- I'll vital send post. you my collagen coffee recipe. I have oh, it every morning. Oh, you do? Yeah. You do. I will just... I've had it every day for like five years at least.
1: Okay. By the way, you look great.
0: Oh, thank you, you are. I'm like glowing. very red.
1: <laughs> no, your skin oh, is like thanks. glowing. Your teeth you know, are white. Your <laughs> eyes look like you slept for a year. I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go into a sleep chamber for the
0: next no, month. No, I am obsessed with sleep. Sleep is like my number one. I struggled with postpartum insomnia. And so ever since I went through that, I am like, so dialed on sleep. Like I just, I I don't allow myself to go down the path of like that happening again, because if I do get a bad sleep, it's just one, it's just, you know, it's a cycle. So thank you. That's really, really sweet. I'm, I mean, I'm obsessed with skincare. I'm obsessed. We have this very similar interest. So Um, I will also get a facelift at 48 now that I see what what you can look like. So um, I'll add that to my to-do list. I I even told my husband, I'm like, yeah, this is okay. I put that on the plan for the next decade.
1: You just gave me a book idea. I should write the book. Yeah, I will also get a facelift at 48. Here are the reasons why. I know. Are
0: you going to write a book? I was going to ask.
1: You know what, Sophie? I Yes. The answer is yes. Of course I'm going to. (sighs) I don't know when, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. I felt that like the facelift was more important than the book. Just kidding. Um, but I, <laughs> well, I've that's been... a
0: short period of time. You have a, like, you I can know, write the book now. I have time,
1: but I am such a Virgo in that I am, I think it's the fear. The fear is paralyzing me, not the fear of what people will think. It's the fear of what's the first book. And I've changed my mind so many times. And then you get on the phone with editors and agents and everybody has their idea of what it's supposed to be. And so I've had so many ideas for my book. Am I going to do a little coffee table of cat formations and Mm. inspirational nuggets? Am I going to write the heartland of Hollywood? Am I going to now write about midlife and, and, and perimenopause, but maybe I should talk about my toxic relationships. I don't know, but maybe all that'll just go into one book, but I, I do need to retreat long enough to commit long enough to be able to focus on that. And it just keeps not quite working out. So I guess I'm just like, yes, the answer is yes. I will write a book. But I'm going to wait for the universe to tell me when I'm yeah. supposed to do that.
0: It'll happen when it's right. I'm sure of it.
1: Should I? And what should it be about? Do you think?
0: I think you should write a memoir encompassing all of those things. And then you can have cat formations on different pages. And that'll be your first book. And then you'll dive deeper into something else. Just just start writing. Something.
1: I'm going to send you the draft since you are so sweet and supportive and and seem to know so much. That's so kind.
0: Okay. I always ask my guests to finish up what are you obsessed with and what makes you feel your best? (sighs) We're catching you at an interesting time because you're not in your routine. So this is actually like even deeper answers.
1: (laughs) I know. I wish I could do the rapid fire. Oh, gosh, this is supposed to be rapid fire. And I am just rambling. Not Um, at
0: all.
1: What am I obsessed with? I mean, this sounds... Let me give you two. My youngest son came to mind because he is my baby boy and I am obsessed with him right now. Like I told you, I'm down to this 10-day thing where I'm like, oh my God, you're so cute. And oh, I just want to grab his cheeks. And oh, you're so sweet. And oh, you're so handsome. And oh, you're so (laughs) kind. Like he's... We're migrating with Greg's three kids right now. And so he's just so good with these young kids. Oh. And so I'm kind of like super in love with Orion oh, right now. Oh, that makes me always happy. Always obsessed with our kids, but I am obsessed yeah. with, I'm pretty obsessed with Orion right now. But something more fun that would be like beauty or wellness or something. I'm trying to think of my vanity and what I. It's so just funny because using. whenever
0: I ask people this, they start with like something deep and then they're like, oh, but let me give you a product
1: <laughs> every time. <laughs> Well, because like, I, you don't have to, you don't have
0: to give me a product.
1: <laughs> funny, everyone's doing that. I think it's because I feel like I want, like y'all can't borrow my son, but you can go out and buy this. So maybe this would <laughs> be great for you. um Let me just think though, because I do, I have, I have again, I, I told you I had a cabinet full of, of wellness and yeah. supplement products, but I also had so much skincare that I packed and gave away, and like I just, it's. And guys, I don't buy all this. I do, gosh, perk of the job. You know, PR yep. companies do send me a lot of this stuff and I feel so, so blessed that I get to try a lot of these things. But I'm trying to think about, because um, there's just so much one I'm loving, 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 loving. I'm looking at my clothes. You know, I love True Botanicals.
0: Do you use any True mm, Botanicals? I don't, but I've heard a lot about them. And specifically lately, it's funny.
1: Hmm. I have ridiculously dry skin mm. and I then... You know, in the summer, and I'm out in the sun, my skin is like, it literally looks like I have snake legs right now. And <laughs> they make, and I don't think people know this True Botanicals is known for their radiance oil, which is, you know, mm. you use on your face, but they also make a body oil. And I Ooh. have tried them all, and I am just so pleased with this because the pump works. You know, sometimes I, I am such a critic. I'm like, yeah. This is not I can't even get it out of the pump and this dispenser doesn't work. And then, you know, if I did buy it, then I'm really mad about it. You know, it's like this yeah. should be better. So I and by the way, one day I'll have a product too. But yes, it's a beautiful bottle. It's a beautiful fragrance. It's a very effective body oil. So okay. I endorse that and I'm obsessed
0: with it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kat, for today. It's honestly been such an honor to speak with you and be in your orbit and We'll do it again when you're writing your book or when you're on your press tour.
1: Well, I'm, I I regret we didn't get to do this in person. Oh. I would have loved to have met you. Thank you for understanding. You are just the absolute sweetest. My robe, by the way, which I've told oh. you is like my favorite. And I did get one for so we've matching. How does he like it? He loves it. And by the way, oh, he is a critic because I don't know if you know, he, he founded Alternative Apparel. So he's from the apparel business. And he is... I
0: did not. Amazing. He's really into
1: fabrics and he's really into how things feel. He knows far more than I and He loves it, loves it. So bravo to you.
0: I'm glad you didn't tell me that before (laughs) you told me you got him a rope because I would have been really stressed out.
1: (laughs) No, it's brilliant. We love it. And so I am rooting for you as well. Thank you for always being
0: you. Thank you, Kat. My pleasure. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find me on Instagram at sophie c collins or on my website at sophiecollins.com. And you can find my brand One Wednesday at one underscore Wednesday underscore shop on Instagram or oneWednesdayshop.com. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you have time, leave a rating and review. I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks to Podfather Creative for editing and production.